In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who was transformed before his disciples so that he could show us that our lives too would change. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Bill was a senior account executive, and at age 54, he lost his job. He got laid off. And he left that job, and he went, and he started a restaurant, something that he had been dreaming about doing his entire life. Susan was sort of in the same situation, but she was in this dead-end job that paid really well, but that she hated going to work every day. And so what she did was she cashed in her 401k, and she bought a cabin out in the woods, and she lived out the rest of her years there. Joe was a guy who was five foot six and 300 some pounds. And he lost 180 pounds, which is losing more weight than what he currently weighs at 175. All of these people experience some amount of great change in their lives. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about change. In a lot of ways, that's what Transfiguration Sunday is all about. It's about change. It's about Jesus being changed before his disciples' eyes. And we're talking about this element of change in our lives and in the life of Jesus. In the life of Jesus, this is an important change in Luke's gospel, because at this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus shifts what he is doing and starts to face toward Jerusalem. He starts to be very purposeful about his walk to the cross, and this is a change for him in that gospel. And then if you noticed, all of our readings are about this guy named Moses, a guy who went through quite a bit of change himself. A guy who went through the change even at his birth of soon after his birth needing to leave his family and become a refugee in the house of Pharaoh. The very guy that was trying to kill him and all of the other Jewish boys. And after that, he encountered another change as he found somebody beating a slave and he committed murder and murdered that person who was beating that slave and ran away and became an outlaw. A massive change from being a prince to being an outlaw out in the wilderness with his sheep and nobody else. And he encountered another change as he stumbled across a burning bush. And God calls to him, And tells him that he is going to go into another change. A change where he is going to be God's mouthpiece. God's prophet to Pharaoh. That he's going to go to that household. And that he is going to speak God's word there. And God says, well your change isn't over yet. Because now I'm going to change you from just being a prophet. And now I'm going to make you into the person who is leading this bunch of people out of Israel and into the wilderness. 
And he leads them out into the wilderness and he goes through many more changes as he's in that position. He goes from being just the person that's leading them to sort of being their priest, being the person who is there in order to communicate with God on their behalf. And then finally, we come to this point in our reading from Deuteronomy, this point at which Moses is at his final, it seems, change in life, where God has said, because of a earlier sin, you will not be able to go into the promised land with your people, and you are going to go into this change, the change from life to death. And that's the change that we leave off with Moses, at least until we get to the gospel reading. And then in the gospel reading, we see a whole nother change from Moses. I mean, sure, Jesus is transfigured. We got that. We know what Transfiguration Sunday is like. But think about it from the perspective of Moses for a moment. If you're Moses and you are up in heaven and you're having a grand old time and you get the phone call from God the Father saying, um, I want you to make an appearance. On your way over, pick up Elijah. (laughs) And you have this sense of, okay, what is Moses doing here? Why why is it Moses? Why why doesn't God, God could have chosen anybody. He could have chosen Abraham, Abraham and Isaac. He could have chosen all sorts of different people, but he chooses Moses and Elijah. And you go, okay, well, what's going on there? Why, why is God choosing these people? And what does that have to do with what's going on in this reading? Well, one of the theories about why God has chosen Moses and Elijah is that Moses was somebody who died and that Elijah was somebody who was simply taken up into heaven. And that they represent the two kinds of people that when Jesus comes back in his glory, the two kinds of people that are going to be going into the resurrection. That there are going to be the people like Moses, who have died and have been buried and will raise up out of their tombs and will go and be with God in the resurrection receiving new bodies. And then there will be other people, people who have not died yet when Jesus comes back, and that those people will be like Elijah, and they will be glorified, and they will be with Christ also in new resurrected bodies without having to go through the pain and suffering of death. And so you have these two sort of figureheads there, and and you start going, okay, well, that's interesting stuff. And they're there, and, and they're sort of showing this change moment in our lives. This change moment that we look forward to one day. Being either one of those characters, either being Moses, and raising up out of our tombs, and experiencing that final change in our lives, or being like Elijah, and being alive, and seeing Jesus come, and saying, well, that's the final change in my life before I hit the resurrection. But change is hard. Change was hard for Moses. Change was hard for Elijah. Change is hard for us. 
There's even this thing out there, sort of culturally, where we say the Lutherans are allergic to change. Which I would argue against and have argued against. I think that if you're operating in that way, you're not operating authentically like a Lutheran because after all, we are the people who left the Roman Catholic Church. They're the ones who stayed behind. But at the same time, there's plenty of arguments for our not loving change. And I think that that's the case for all of us, not only in our religious lives, not only in our church body, but rather in our lives in general. We have a tough time with change. And we're stuck between two poles because at some level we say we want change. So often we have said that to our friends and our neighbors and even to God. Lord, I want to change. I want something different. I am sick of the way that this is going. I want something that is a change, something that is different. And yet, when God comes back to us and he says, fantastic, I've got this. Uh, We're going to change your life. We push back against God and we say, well, when I said change, I meant change without any change. (laughs) To which God probably cocks his head at us and says, okay, I still love you. But that's the way it is for us. We, We want and desire this change. We want and desire the change that we will experience in the resurrection, and yet so many of us want to be in that Elijah camp instead of in the Moses camp. We want the change and the excitement of the resurrection, but we don't want the pain of dying. We want the change in our lives to be a change that doesn't inconvenience us. But even deeper than that, I think we want a change in our life that we haven't willed. Because that is what we know about ourselves. That is what we know about ourselves. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. A lot of us are kind of considering the sort of re-upping of our New Year's resolutions on Ash Wednesday and saying, well, maybe in Lent I'll actually get to the gym. Maybe in Lent I will stop eating carbs. Maybe in Lent I will start or stop doing all of the things that I said I was going to start and stop on January 1st. I've got, got this new opportunity But we know that we don't trust ourselves. We know that the reason that we're thinking about that with Lent is that Lent, we know, is only six weeks long. And that you get Sundays off. And even with that, we still know better than to trust ourselves. And we know that if we say, I'm giving this up for Lent, that we have almost doomed ourselves to fail at that. Because it requires our will. Because it requires our choice. Because it requires us to say, this is how I'm going to live my life. And that's not how Moses experienced the change in his life. That's really not how Elijah experienced the change in his life. At some level, that's not even how any of us experience the change in our lives. In fact, most of the time, if we're going to change our lives, it's going to be because of something external that's happening to us. 
Maybe we make certain choices, but even when we make those choices, we're not making those choices knowing exactly what we're getting into. When some of you applied to Florida State, you had no idea what today was going to look like when you were making that application. You weren't changing with this exact moment in mind. Some of you have been married for a while, and while you made the choice to marry that person, you didn't quite know exactly what you were getting into. I'm meaning that it was better than what you thought. (laughs) Some of you are in jobs that you didn't quite know what you were getting into when you signed the dotted line and said, okay, I'm going to take this job. Most of the time, the change in our lives is a change that happens from the outside. And that is the case for your life. And that is good news. Because the change that is happening in your life, especially today, especially on this day, is a change that is happening not with your will being the major operating piece of that but rather that God is putting change in your life. God is saying, I am forgiving you of your sins. You're not actively going up to God and saying, hey God, um, I think I would be a great candidate to have my sins forgiven. Rather, God is saying, no, you need this. No, you need my son's body and blood. No, you need this word from me. And all of this change that he is leading you to is happening from the outside. And that's a good thing. It's like the change that Peter and James and John are going through. It's not something that they said, hey, Jesus, um, you know, what would be really great is if we went up on top of the mountain and you did this presto changeo thing. Because they had no idea, but it changed their lives. That is the change that we experience with God. A God who knows what our future is like with our changes and even with the changes that we have refused to take. God who knows what our future is like. God who knows what we will look like when we are standing there beside Jesus like Moses and Elijah were standing beside Jesus. He knows what we're going to be like. He knows what our story is going to have been when we are standing there next to Christ at the resurrection. And all he asks of us is to listen. To follow God's words from the cloud and say, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Follow him. Step by step into the change that he will bring you into. Trust that change. And your life will be changed. For the better. And for eternity. And so brothers and sisters in Christ. May you this week. 
as you leave this place, prepare yourself for change. And may that change come to you by listening to the Son who tells you that you are forgiven and loved and that He died on a cross in order to save you and give you eternity. Amen.